Welcome to the Art Studio Insights Podcast, where we demystify the creative process and exchange ideas with career-minded artists. We are your hosts, Adriana May and Jackie Sanders. We are two emerging artists sharing forth the advice and business lessons we have learned along our creative journey. So if you're not already, please go ahead and subscribe. This will help other creatives like you find the podcast and you will be notified when we release a new episode every Tuesday. On today's episode, we are so excited because we are having our first one-on-one artist interview with a super talented artist and very good friend. Jane Cheek is an installation and collage artist based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Her work explores emotion in large-scale immersive formats. Influenced by abstract and textile art, she stitches collages and kinetic sculptures to bring the viewer into the ultra perspective one where they can feel the wonder and acceptance of the natural world. Yeah, so welcome to the podcast, Jane. And to sum it up, you all have to see her art. It is ultra colorful. I mean, if nothing else, it is ultra colorful. So make sure you check her out. Uh, Later in the podcast episode, we'll share how you can find Jane online. So let's go ahead and get started with our questions. So Jane, how long? Have you been creating art? Start with an easy one. (laughs) As long as I can remember, I think it's just always been something that I've been drawn to. Yeah. Do you you remember forever? (laughs) Forever. Do you remember like the first material you started working with? Um, I think it was probably just like kids stuff, you know, temper paint, crayons. Um. As I got older, I was really interested in textiles. And so I did a lot of sewing. I was that weird middle school kid that like sewed her own clothing and wore it to school. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so then I, when I went to college, I uh, started off in the college of textile, um, college of textiles, and then later switched into art. So I think part, that's part of why my work involves a lot of of sewing. Yeah. It's just painting and sewing. That's kind of <laughs> what very, I've always done. Yeah, that clearly has an influence in all the work that you've made today. So you're saying, okay, if you've been making art for as long as you can remember, do you remember like a pivotal point where it really became, okay, I'm taking a step towards building an art career? Like what was that moment for you? You know, honestly, that was only recently I think um I mean I did get an art degree in college and I taught in the public schools for several years um but that still wasn't quite like I am an artist it was I am a teacher um and I did that for a while and then I taught part-time for a while and was more of a hobby artist um and then honestly just in the last like year or so um that I feel like art was what I wanted to do full time and um, had the confidence to pursue it in that way too. Um, I'm not really sure what like what that switch was. Um, it could have yeah. been like the first installation, like getting that and, and doing that has really um, had a snowball effect. Yeah, that's definitely a big step the first time you like install, do an installation or have your art like exhibited in a public space. I feel like for a lot of artists, having that moment of 
oh, like, is this possible? Like that first external validation from others of, oh, like, is this something more than just a hobby that I enjoy doing? And yeah, we originally had a studio in your home, correct? I have, yeah, I had a home studio just until May when I moved into art space. Yes. So for listeners yeah. who don't know, you know that Adriana and I have studios at ArtSpace and Jane's like kind of right in the middle of us. So I'm across from all of them, but they actually share a wall of studio, which is- And a super secret door. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> that yeah. connects both of our studios is just really, really cool. Okay, Jane. So would you say, as a follow-up to that, that the moment you had some space over at 311 and then of course subsequently ArtSpace, like- was that something that kind of helped you say, I am an artist and I am a career-minded artist. Like I'm taking these big steps where now it's not just selling the art. Now you have overhead. Like, do you think that kind of yeah. helped with that idea of like, I'm formalizing this as a business? Yeah, I think that was certainly a big step. Um, I think for the past few years, I've been taking like these little baby steps towards becoming a full-time artist. It wasn't just like this one things for me um like I started getting involved with CAE and exhibiting and doing um shows and networking and all of that and that had kind of gone on and um like teaching gigs that had gone on for about three or four years um but I was still kind of part-time like 20 30 hours a week um and it wasn't until sometime in 2020 when I transitioned to like more of a full-time work week and that felt really official and the overhead felt really official and like (laughs) costs and doing the math and the accounting and all of that and I was like okay it's real now yeah perfect perfect well that ties in kind of like with the question I'm going to come up with next and essentially how do you define success as an artist so obviously financial it's a biggie for a lot of people and so is social media. That's you know another one that keeps recurring. But outside of those two, how do you define success as an artist? I think success as an artist is making work that I'm proud of. I mean, yeah. that's that's the thing. Like that's the huge goal is being able to make what you want to make. Yeah, and what's you a feel one good about it? Yeah, what's something that you define as like? great projects that you are super proud of you've been doing amazing installations all over raleigh right now so is that definitely like a milestone of success for you yeah 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 that's been really really exciting um and yeah being able to get paid for installation work i mean i know the financial side, but that feels more official um and i've been getting invited to installations which is also really cool it's nice not to have to do applications. <laughs> yeah. That's- uh, so that's been a big, a big part of it as well. Like feeling successful. Yeah. That's awesome. And so currently diving into some of the business details of it, do you find that that's your main focus of projects that you're making and source of income? Like where do you, your various income streams come into play? So I would say about half of my income is through installation work and then probably a quarter is teaching and a quarter is two-dimensional artwork sales um, with kind of more of the 2D sales being print than original. Okay. So like half installation, a quarter teaching, and then a quarter of 
one-off sales, whether prints, originals, all that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I just wrote down that answer this morning. I didn't actually look at the book <laughs> and find out. So yeah. that's just a wild guess, really. <laughs> yeah, but that is good to know and think about. It's like, even if you love the installations, like there are other components of your business or recognizing mm-hmm. where you're putting your time. Okay, if that's half your income, yeah. should a good portion of your time be towards more projects like that? But you're saying yeah. now a lot of people are approaching you for projects, but prior to people approaching you, how would you really go and find different opportunities? Were there like main places you would go or how'd you scout them out? Yeah. So um, I focused on the Raleigh art community and I signed up for all of the newsletters from <laughs> all of the arts organizations and just read them. And there's always for art. I mean, I've used like the international, I mean, the, yeah, like the big call for art um, cafe or whatever website to look for calls as well. Yeah. But generally like the local ones are a lot easier. It's, it's nice to do the local art. It has yeah. to build like a following, I think more so. Um, so I've kind of stuck with that for the most part. Yeah, I think there's definitely the benefit of like emphasizing local, like you were saying, you can build that local following mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily have to worry about shipping your artwork places. You can just drive it there, which yeah. is a benefit because shipping artwork is like a whole nother discussion. And it's um, installation artwork too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For sure. I but- mean, eventually you'll definitely get to the point of installing in other cities and they'll fly you out there, custom hotel yeah. service. <laughs> That'll just be all part of the program. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's on the docket. It's on the docket. But um, with all these different opportunities, especially with you being tapped on the shoulder for some of these, have you ever said no to a potentially lucrative opportunity? And if so, what made you decide to say no? They're like, we have this yeah. vision, we have this project. You're perfect for it. You're going to pay you a ton of money. And you look at it and you're like, what made you decide to say no? So I actually said no to an opportunity yesterday. Um, it was something that sounded amazing that I really wanted to do, um, but they were on a on a short timeline, and I just couldn't make the timing work. I have so many projects going on right now, and I know that if I took this on, it would either be really really stressful or something would slip through the cracks. Right. So I said, no, not right now. Like, I'd love to work with you in the future, but don't have the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the perfect. um, I believe we were talking about it in last week's panel. A quote that I brought up was like, someone, someone else's lack of planning does not become your new emergency. Where it's like, if you approached me three months ago, a hundred percent, I would love to do this. But when you contact me, a week before an event, like I'm not canceling all of my plans unless appropriately <laughs> compensated, then might consider it. But, <laughs> but it that is a tough yeah. situation. You really have to factor in like that quality of life too. And quality mm-hmm. of like something simply. Can't. Yeah. 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 And they, I mean, the, the people that reached out to me were hoping that I had work already done that I could just send because, um, Installation artists often have like past 
installations that are being stored somewhere, but all the mine are on exhibit right now. So I didn't have anything. I was like, can't make anything. I can't like have contracts on stuff. Can't just take it down and send it. Yeah. So. yeah. And I think that's a common problem with a lot of like emerging artists too. It's a very fortunate position where like you almost like can't keep enough work and like that needs to just be the most like make more work make more work because like you're saying yeah. you're played at different installations you don't have 20 years of inventory under your belt of oh yeah i had an installation right. from five years ago that's in this box here like you can hang it <laughs> mm-hmm. it already has curated instructions like that's not a yeah. luxury that a lot of emerging artists have so it really has to be like mm-hmm. it's intentional or made for specific things unless you're building a collection yeah. So do you do commissioned work? I do. Yeah. From time to time, I will take on commissions. Um, and I, I enjoy it. I'm pretty careful about the ones that I take on and the structure I give them to make sure that it works well for me and the client. Everyone walks away happy with it. But yeah, yeah. I do commissions. Are there any like specific factors that you think about when evaluating that in terms of like subject matter or scale or are there any like red flags okay I'm not going to do it if x y and z and like do you mind sharing some Mm -hmm. of those I think that's a big yeah so the big thing for me for commissions is I want people if they want a commission from me they need to say oh my god I love that painting that you made that's on your wall but it's not the right size or but can we make it a different color or whatever? But they need to be looking at my work. Right. <laughs> I think a lot of people will reach out for commissions and they're like, oh, you're really nice. But I want like a portrait or an animal. And I don't, I don't work in that style, right? Right. So I wouldn't say yes to those commissions. But if it's something where someone likes my work, mostly if it's the wrong size for their space, I'll be like, yeah, sure. I can like do something similar in a different size. Um, or if they've been looking at something that sold before they could get it, I can make something similar again and that sort of thing. But I definitely want to make sure that they want my work the way that I make it. That's the biggie. <laughs> Yeah, not like bring someone else's work and be like, can you make this in your style? And it's like, oh, that is somebody else's artwork. That's going to be a hard no. Yeah, yeah. I've had people ask me if I do um, like pet portraits. Like I know some artists that are great at it. It's not really my thing. Or uh, like watercolor. I've had people ask if I do watercolors and like check out Ryan or whoever else. You know, I refer them to someone else. But yeah, if it's not a perfect fit, I don't, I don't take it on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge benefit of having a wide range artist network too. Right. Cause I've definitely Mm -hmm. done the same thing where it's okay. I appreciate that you thought of me and I currently don't do commissions. So that kind of makes an easy no, um, just from my time, but I'm like, I'm not open to commissions right now, but here are three artists that based on what you're describing would be a great fit here's their contact information and like then and they probably have something already in their inventory that they're trying to sell that's like a close match or is a better fit for like you were saying okay make a commission based off their style because Mm -hmm. and that it's just a win-win everyone the person coming to you still gets a piece of art you're also helping out a fellow artist 
And then yeah. you don't have to be stuck doing a commission that you don't like doing or that you don't think will turn out well. <laughs> right. Yeah. All day long. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the next question we have uh, lined up for you is what does the next level of your art business look like? Ah, well, goals are to continue doing installation work. I'd like to get permanent indoor installations in place um, in everywhere. Yes, everywhere. every corner. Um, yeah, and also I'm wanting to grow the installation business to where I have a few teammates. Um, so I already have a I already have a teammate who helps with kind of the, the tool and the hardware and the construction side of the installation. Um, and I bring another artist friend in to help with fabrication from time to time. But as I grow, I would like to make them uh, increase their hours to have more, more happening there. Yeah, and I'm sure with the installations too, like figuring out like that scalability factor is a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, okay, different types of materials for outside environments or like onboarding someone to help yeah. with the process. So those are a lot of those growing pains in the beginning that it seems like you're working through hopefully on the other side of, and now it's okay, how much can you really push it? Which is super exciting. So mm -hmm. basically scalability, yeah. uh, permanence, and potentially a studio assistant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm looking for. Goals for your next level as an artist. And so, as we wrap up here, what is one piece of advice that you would have to share with a fellow emerging artist that you wish you had heard when you were starting on this journey? I think kind of a two-part, kind of a two-part advice. Um, I think the most important thing is focusing on the work. If you are not producing work that you're not that you're proud of, then you're not going to get to the point where you're successful. So practice, 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 keep <laughs> making work. Um, and then the second part is that the process of of your art making is just as important as the skill that you have when it comes to sustainable art practice. Um, so if you are great. At drawing realistically but you don't enjoy it then that's not the way to build a sustainable art practice you have to find a process that is just as enjoyable as um as it is like skillful so basically you would say like just to try to summarize it a little bit would you basically say whatever process not only just practice which obviously that's part of it but whatever process you're using that you're repeating over and over you have to like it regardless of the outcome yeah so that's okay okay yeah you absolutely have to enjoy the process if you're gonna keep at it Perfect. yep but you also need to be good at it yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, you know, like it needs to it's hard. Yeah, which in theory comes with practice. However, there are sometimes learning hurdles that you have to just, even if you keep working mm -hmm. at it, maybe choose to pivot somewhere if it's not, yeah. not yeah. working out. Awesome. Well, Jane, thank you so much for joining us. Where can everyone find you on social media and where are your current installations right now that everyone 
if they're in the Raleigh area, can go visit. All right. So I currently have an installation at Trophy Brewing, Brewing and Pizza. It's a giant tree sculpture um, with kinetic art pieces attached to it. Another artist made the sculpture. Um, her name is Jennifer Van Orton. And I was tasked with kind of making the leaves. reworking it, making it kinetic. Yep. Adding, adding components to it. So yeah, that was a really fun project. And then um, BAE has three pop-up gallery spaces on Wilmington Street, right below the Alexander Square parking lot. Um, I think it's 120 Wilmington. And so my kinetic rainbow uh, installation is hanging up in one of those spaces. And it can be viewed from the sidewalk. It's like a whole wall of windows. So cool. um, and then we'll have hours maybe next month, I think, where it'll be open to go into as well. Um, and then social media. So my tags on Facebook and Instagram are jane.b.artist. Um, and then I'm not on Twitter very much, but I do have an account and that's jane underscore the underscore artist. Twitter doesn't like that. So those are my social media. My website is just janecheek.com. Janecheek. Got it. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing yep. that again. We are so, so excited that you joined us on this special episode. But we're going to thank wrap. Yeah, thank you. We're going to wrap it up for today. And we really hope that uh, you enjoyed this episode. And again, thank you for joining us. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. As always, both of our blogs will be linked in the show notes where you can find notes from today's episode, resources, links to all of Jane Cheek's social media and website, as well as gorgeous pictures of her artwork and links to her website. And if you want to stay connected with us in between episodes and share what you have learned, you can follow us on social media. I'm MA Art across all platforms. And I'm at Jay Sanders Studio on all platforms. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.